So here we go, another episode of the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. I'm Pierre F. Burton. And I'm Wendy Adams. So in this episode, we are having a conversation with Stephen Forster. Stephen is the founder and director of the Care Social Network, a care recruitment and retention consultancy. Stephen started his career in social care in 2017 as a care assistant for a dom care company. He was later asked to help that company with their recruitment and he later joined another dom care company as an HR manager. He then started the Care Social Network in 2020. We know that recruitment and retention can be extremely challenging for many managers in social care. Stephen has successfully recruited thousands of staff in social care, so we decided to chat to Stephen today as we wanted to pick his brains about all things recruitment and retention. So, yeah, on with the show. Welcome, Stephen, to the Care Exchange. Thanks very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's um, it's an honour. I've uh, known about <laughs> skills for a very long time, and yeah, when you asked me, it was uh, I called my wife. It was almost a tear in the eye moment, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Because I, I always think you've got to you've got to remain humble, haven't you? And you've got to remember where you started. And um, when I'm on Jonathan Ross, I'll be sure to mention you. So don't worry about it. Brilliant. Yeah, that makes sure you, you name check both of us, won't you? And the care exchange. Ross has many care influences on there or care related people, but you never know. Maybe we, maybe us three could be the first. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we ha- we heard introduction there that you've started your own business working with social care providers, kind of helping them recruit them and either or helping them sort of kind of around training and recruiting well. So just thinking about your experiences working as a home care or as a care assistance um to support uh or to recruit people into social care be really interested to hear from your experience when a candidate applies for a job in social care what should that journey look like from sort of kind of the very moment somebody applies yeah it's it's the number one topic isn't it and i'm, I'm glad that was one of your main questions so the, the full recruitment journey is something that um, I would say the majority of care providers aren't familiar with just because um, they haven't been taught it, they've yep. forgotten how to do it, um, and they've just lost bad practice potentially, and uh, that, that can easily happen. So when I look at the full recruitment journey, I'm looking at every single step of the journey. So that's from a candidate reading a job advert to then applying on Indeed, for example, and then what what happens from there? So are the companies calling the candidate within 12 hours or on the same day? It has to definitely be within 24 hours. And then what happens on the phone call? You know, what what's happening on this phone call? Is it is it a phone interview straight away? Um, if somebody doesn't pick up the phone, is there a voicemail left? Is there an email follow-up? Are people being invited in for interviews straight away from the phone call? So what I'm hearing at the moment is a lot of companies are messaging candidates on Indeed, for example, saying, hi, thanks for your application. When are you free for an interview? Which is, to me, to me that's the complete wrong way of doing the recruitment process. It has to be a phone call and then follow that up by what I call the VET principle. So voicemail, email, text. So if okay. a candidate can pick up the phone, leave a voicemail, send them an email, follow up with a text, and then try that again after hours. So it's not a nine to five role, as we know, care recruitment. Carers are 
often working, they're not available, they might have done a night shift. So you mm -hmm. have to call in out of hours. You might have seen on my LinkedIn, I work every Sunday um, and I get most of my success on Sundays by booking in people for interviews. Candidates are more than happy to speak on weekends. In six years of me doing recruitment, I've never had a candidate say to me once, you know, who do you think you are calling me on a Sunday? That, that just right. doesn't happen. So Interesting. We have to be looking at when we're calling candidates. A lot of companies will say, um, oh, candidates aren't picking up the phone these days. It's a nightmare. They're just applying for, for whatever reason. That's that's just not true. I, 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 I've not seen that happen at all for any, any single one of my clients. Um, so then, yeah, so then we have to look at the next step of the journey, which I would say is, you know, we have to have interview availability from managers. There's no point in me now as an re internal recruiter calling 20 candidates today and then I haven't got interview availability. Does that make sense? So if, mm -hmm. if, if, I, if I'm having an amazing candidate on the phone, I need to be booking them in straight away for an interview. Look, you, you sound fantastic. You're exactly what our company needs. I can clearly tell you're a compassionate person. I really want you to come for an interview. When is good for you to come meet me for an interview? Not, oh, great. Um, I'll see when our manager's free and I'll get back to you. That's that is criminal. You cannot be doing that. It has to be done there and then. Because if you don't do it, then the company around the corner is going to be doing that as well. Um, so we have to have interview availability. And then we, we need to be looking at what happens at face-to-face -face interview. You know, what what do, what is actually happening at that interview? Is it... Is it competency questions? Is it a tour? Are you greeted by a cup of, you know, having a cup of tea? Are you getting to know the person? What is actually happening at that interview? So that those are the sort of first stages I would say um, are key in the recruitment journey. But then after interview, I think offer management is becoming a big problem for companies. People who are conducting the interviews are nervous to offer a role to some people because they feel like they've got to check with the owner or the managers. So then they're waiting two or three days to get back. You know, to, they're not offering a role, so they're waiting two or three days. The candidate's wondering what the hell's going on. And the candidate's potentially had other interviews and been offered a role somewhere else. So I think we need to be giving the guys who are doing the face-to-face -face interviews, whether that's an administrator, an internal recruiter, a registered manager, whoever it is, they have to have the confidence to be able to offer on the spot or definitely on the same day. Um, okay. We haven't got the luxury of being able to, you know, take two or three days or a week. It just doesn't work like that. This is so. I'm, so I'm, I'm here. I'm hearing speed is as is kind of the main thing, you know, or or one of the main components. Sorry, Wendy. Yeah, I was just wanting to go back to what you said about that initial phone call because you talked about the importance of that initial phone call. And yeah. I was wondering what you thought that phone calls should include because I think a lot of managers that I speak to or lots of organizations that I speak to do that or attempt to do that sort of phone screening but I think sometimes what happens is that that almost becomes like a first interview and then they invite people back for a second interview what, yeah. what do you think that first conversation should include how long should it be is there anything you shouldn't discuss at that point yeah. or what should you discuss yeah, amazing question. Yeah, so so it, it depends on the the the, the typical service. Um, so, for example, I I look after a, a a client and it's it's very very complex care. So they they need to know it, you know certain elements of the candidates first. They have to have experience for this particular um, service. So 
there's no point having a five minute phone interview with somebody not asking key questions. They come in for an interview and find out it's complex care and they're out of their depth. So for example, why, why don't we make it very clear from the start? Look, just so you're aware, we actually um, care for people with complex care. Uh, that, that can in, involve A, B or C. Some people have found that intimidating or they're not quite, they, they think, sometimes think we may be a dementia care home or supported living. Uh, what's your understanding of our company and see what the response is, you know, engage mm-hmm. with them. It's not, it's not a, look, I'm just, I'm just making sure you're aware A, B and C could happen to you if you work for us. It's not an intimidating question. It's making it very clear from the start and not pulling the wool over people's eyes. You don't want to waste time from the start, but, but at the same time, I would make it a conversation. So to say, look, I don't know if you saw from the job advert, but we actually do with people with complex care. We love what we do. It can be challenging at times, um, I just wanted to make you aware of it. And, you know, you don't have to make it an intimidating question. And at the same t- same time as well, for me, the screening question has to be values-based. It, it just simply has to be, you know, don't be picking up the phone saying, I'm just checking, you can work alternate weekends and you have a car. That, 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 that's not a way of asking. You, know, you, you, want, you want to be engaging with the candidate, having a conversation, starting off straight away. How was your weekend? What did you get up to? I see from here on your CV, you've previously worked um, at a bakery's or a post office or whatever it may be. Tell me about that. Because then it shows you've actually dug a little deeper into the candidate. It's all mm. about personal relationships. We cannot get into a mindset of, I just need to know if this person can work at 7 a.m. and they have a driving license. That, yeah. that cannot happen. It has to be mm. values, getting to know the person, the, the, whole aim, the, whole, the whole aim for the 10-minute screen, and I think it should be a 10-minute screen, is your aim here is to get that person in for a face-to-face interview. That's the whole goal. So you have to be likeable. They have to warm to you straight away, and you have to sell the company as well. And who do you think should do that 10-minute screen? I mean, not all social care providers have that luxury. And some social care providers, the manager is also the recruiter. But obviously, you know, in terms of your background, you've you've obviously worked for organisations where there's an HR department, so to speak, and managers. Should that be the HR department or the manager? Do you have a view on that? Yeah, absolutely. So it has to be based on the, you know, it depends on the size of the company. I work with companies who are in, you know, in top 25 in the UK, but I also work with majority of startups and, you know, they, they only have one or two people in the office that might be the owner plus the registered manager. So I think it has to be, it, de- it depends on the situation, but it, it on, on the company, but it has to be ultimately the person who is the best at selling the company and who has the best telephone manner. I don't mm-hmm. care if that's the, administrator, um, the cleaner, the registered manager, the owner, whoever is best at selling the company and has the best telephone manner should be doing that phone screen. So for example, there's a lot of registered managers um, who I've been speaking with lately and they're, they're having to run the service as well as manage Indeed, as well as do the phone interviews, as well as do the face-to-face interviews and they're getting overwhelmed and they, they don't, typically registered managers don't always like recruitment and they don't they admit that they're not skilled at doing phone screens. It's just not their bag. They don't enjoy doing it and they don't always want to do it. So to answer your question, I think it should be, you need to find out whoever in the company, whoever is the best on the phone at selling the company and whoever is the most skilled on the phone at selling a service and selling the role to people. Mm. And then with that, 
so we've done the done the contact of them really quickly making you know doing the the um, the VET uh, principle the VET VET yeah. principle um, yeah. and then you've done the screening uh, the 10, 10 minute screening and then we're obviously the aim is to get that person yeah to the interview should anything happen between how quickly should that face-to-face -face interview happen so you mentioned about making sure the right person mm. is available and is there anything we should do between the time of these, between the screening and the person coming in for the interviews, anything that should happen in between yeah. that time? Yeah, absolutely. So what, what I would do is every every week, I would start the Monday or, or maybe even a Friday saying to the, whoever's doing the face-to-face -face interviews, let's say it's the registered manager, let's say, I'd say, look, next week I need two days from you for interviews and at least four hours uh, of, of those. So let's say Tuesday and Thursday between 10 and 2. I need... I, is that doable for you? Uh, can we block that out for interviews? So book people in for interviews on, on those days. And then in between an offer, so say you get eight people in, for example, and in between the offer uh, to the employee and then getting them in for interview, I think you, I think it has to be the next day or the day after. I think one to two days, right. it has to be all about time to hire. I will be saying to the candidate, look, we have interview availability tomorrow, Tuesday, between 10 and 2 can you make yeah. that? Well, and, and typically the candidate will say, oh, wow, um, I didn't realize you would have interview availability that quick, which is a great thing to say. But at yeah. the same time, well, if a candidate says to us now, I don't have Tuesday or Thursday free, right, we need a plan B here. We can't do the week after. So I'd be saying to look what works best for you. You tell me what works best for you. I can do five o'clock today. Okay, right. Yeah, I can do that as well. I'll stay. I'll, I'll stay in the office and I'll do five while six. That's fine. Okay, uh, uh, what I'll do now is I'm going to send you over a text and an email with our address. It might be difficult for you to bring the documents with you for the for the compliance, but if you can, that would be great. So I, I think it has to be as soon as possible and not, um, you know, I'm reading a lot of things on LinkedIn and speaking to a lot of managers and they do interviews um, every other week, um, and that, that that to me just doesn't work. It's just you need to manage your time much better. Yeah. So that speed is... Time to hire is massive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it has to, We're not in it. It's not... I remember six years ago when I first started in care, it was... We were inundated with applications. It's not like, it, you know, care, care recruitment and the care industry has changed. It's all about speed. And it's a compliment to the um, candidates as well. You know, if, if somebody called me up and said, can you come in today? I'd be like, oh, wow, Yeah. I definitely can. Yeah, that's fine. They they really want me. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to, yeah, and, and there's been a big debate about this. I know that that sounds and looks desperate. Well, desperate to who? Who are we trying to impress here? Like you know, like I, I would see the, the optimistic side of it and say, No, no, it sounds fantastic. I would take it as a compliment, personally. Mm. And is there anything that you um think candidates should be provided in terms of preparing for the interview you talked about values based interviewing do you give them anything yeah. else other than the time and date yeah well um for the for the face-to-face -face interview sorry yes yeah absolutely yeah so i i um as you mentioned this i was a hr and recruitment manager for a, a domiciliary care company and i used to send a top 10 tips on face-to-face -face interviews to the candidate along with the invite to interview. There's been a big debate about this saying, no, no, you shouldn't be offering tips and advice to candidates. You know, you're, you're giving them the answers. That's not fair. But what what's wrong with 
helping candidates at an interview. I don't see when that became a problem. Of course, if it's anything to do with safety and maybe um, compliance, then yeah, I understand that. But, you know, if I'd be saying to candidates, look, at the interview, I'm going to give you a tour for the first 10 minutes. Then we're going to have a discussion about you. Then we're going to have competency questions. The competency questions are going to be based around your previous experience, what, what your kindness and compassion, what makes you a standout candidate and your personality attributes that make you a good care assistant. So then you're getting the candidate thinking, okay, so they're probably going to ask me for examples about previous work. We, we want candidates to give the best possible answers at interview. We're not there to trap them, to intimidate them and to make them feel out of their, out of their depth. So I, I definitely, I have no problem with emailing and letting candidates know what will happen at face-to-face interview. And I think that's really important. I think it's an interesting point, isn't it, that an interview is about the person's chance to show the best version of themselves, not necessarily to demonstrate what they know about a, you know, a particular topic. And I have this conversation with lots of managers where I'll say, well, why do you ask a question about safeguarding, for example, at interview? Does that mean if the person gives a word perfect answer that they don't yeah. then need to do the safeguarding training? And you know, all of the managers say, oh no, absolutely not. They would still yeah. need to do it. And yeah. it's a case of, well, actually, why are we asking that question then? And are we disadvantaging those people who've not worked in social care before? 100%. Yeah, 100%. So I, I always take myself back to when I started as a home care assistant. So six years ago, I was a manager at Lidl, uh, didn't enjoy that particular role, and I wanted to do a role that um, helped people. I went on Indeed, I googled care assistant jobs, um, West Yorkshire, where I live. Um, I, I called the first, so I applied for the first role. I came in for an interview the next day. The owner called me in, it was domiciliary care. She called me in for an interview. Uh, she was a startup, so the interview actually took place at her house in Huddersfield. And um, the whole interview, I was there an hour and a half. She didn't, she didn't ask me one question about training, medication, safeguarding, compliance, because she knew that I wouldn't know those answers. She yeah. was taking me for, for, for face value, heard that I was talking about why I wanted to work in care because my mum received care, my brother received care a long time ago. We had a really good conversation. She told me on the spot, she said, look, there's no doubt about it, Stephen, you will make a fantastic care assistant. What I need to do now is I'll get you on our training. It's online training and face-to-face training. That will make everything you've just talked about in regards to kindness and compassion, this will deal with the other elements of care, which you need to know. So yeah, why, so why are we, 100%, yeah. So why, why, why are we, I don't know when that stopped. We should be doing that more often. Yeah. And, what I hear back from that response is, yeah, but the guys without experience are typically the ones who leave first. So it's a problem for retention. But I, I'm yet to hear any statistics on that. Um, so that should you do anything about, you know, why why come and work for 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 me? You know, you know, you've come for for a face to face interview with me as a as a manager, and I'm you know, asking you lots of questions about you, should you do something about why come and work for me? Yeah, what in regards to um, the candidates, sorry? Yeah, so should we be, you know, how should we be telling the candidates? Because obviously we know there's lots of care jobs out there. So if you're, you know, you're you're maybe looking at, you know, I've got three or four interviews this week. You're yeah. the first one because you've been fast. Um, yes. But, you know, yeah. I might still go for those one or two other oh. interviews. You know, what, what should you do to persuade at that point? 
Yeah, yeah. So you have to look at your, I guess, your USPs of your of your your care company, don't you? And this is where I, I think care recruitment um, is borderline a, a sales role, not in a traditional, you know, sales sense in inverted commas. But how are you going to sell your company more than any other company? So can I focus on how the company started? Can I bring in some staff who are currently in the building and introduce them to, to, to the guys at the interview and they can talk about how it is to work here? Can I show you testimonials on our social media pages and website and and tell you why people work for us? Um, you have to stand out amongst the other companies. It typically will sometimes come down to money, especially now. So mm-hmm. candidates may say, look, I have three other interviews next week or this week and they all pay two pound more an hour than you. You have to make sure your USPs of your particular care company are standing out, whatever that may be. I used to have the owner of our um, domiciliary care company come in the interview sometimes if I knew that was happening as a little nudge. You know, I said, look, yeah. if I introduce you to our uh, owner and our registered managers now, I think you'll really enjoy that. They like their personality. You'll get on very well and they can tell you more about the role. So imagine that now they've just been interviewed by the HR manager. Then one of the registered managers come to meet them. Now the owner, they've had a, had had two cups of teas. They've had a tour around the office. I've told them about training. I've told them about the shifts and how it can work for them and their family life. Straight away, my reputation and the company's reputation has increased. So you have to you have to also ask the right questions for that particular candidate. So if a candidate says to me, "Look, I, I, I struggle on Fridays. I need to finish work by four p.m." Okay, we can make that work for you. You know, you know, and and straight away they're going to oh, okay. I thought that might have been a a bottleneck, but you know, you make it work for each particular individual. Yeah. Is anything? I I, I talk to like when he does. I talk to a lot of, a lot of managers, and one of the things they will say, oh, you know, I had ten interviews booked up booked up today, and you know, only one one person showed. Is there anything you yeah. can do to avoid no shows? Because they seem to be the the bane of managers' lives. Yeah, no shows are becoming a massive problem. So um, I think it's all about well, it's, it's obviously the, the you know the phone screen and then what happens after the phone screen. So yeah. I, I can tell within I'd probably say a minute or two whether somebody is going to be right for this role. And I always ask the question at the end of the phone phone screen. You know, is that what are your thoughts about what we've just discussed? Are we the right company for you? Can you see yourself working here? Is there anything we've just discussed that might make you not want to come here? And I always ask the question, is there any reason you might not be able to come for interview tomorrow? Just ask that question. And sometimes, they, you know, people will say, in all honesty, it's after yes, but it's because I'm getting on with you so well. But I already know tomorrow that I'm busy now. And, you know, have that come. That's happened a lot. That's happened two or three times in the last week, last week to me, actually. Um, because people will say yes just to sometimes get you off the phone yeah. or just to, just to be a people pleaser. So I send, I always send a, a call. So I always have call to action. So CTAs straight after the interview, send an email, which will invite the person for an interview and get them to respond to that. And on the email, make sure you're sending people to your website and your social media pages, as well as testimonials. That is another persuasive method to get people in. And I bet as well, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I bet the people who are saying that no-shows are a problem are typically ones who are, aren't inviting people in today or tomorrow. Right, so they're waiting right. too long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so again, 
I always ask for the stats on this and nine times out of 10, it will be um, because the gap, the time to hire is too long. And the yeah. candidates aren't showing up because they've, they maybe have forgotten about it. You might not have sent them an email and a text reminding them. Are you reminding them on the morning of the interview as well? And are you doing it? Are, are you inviting them in within, you know, 24 hours of, of the phone screen? Because I guess if the gap is too long, that's when people have been interviewed and offered a job by yeah. a, a different organisation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then um, the candidates then forgotten to let the company know that they had an interview arranged. Um, yeah. The problem is people put all candidates in the same category then and say, oh, it's, you know, carers are all, all becoming the same and they're not showing up for interviews which is which is not true you know we have to treat each, we have to treat treat each application as an individual yeah so just going back to the beginning you mentioned when you were talking about this sort of journey you started off by saying something about job adverts what that should include could we just have a tell us a little bit about what when if you're writing an advert yeah what should that look like uh, it should look the opposite to 99% of adverts indeed right now, which is, a, which is a bit of a sit on the fence answer, isn't it? But um, what I mean by that is, so everybody's sort of saying free parking and um, 28 days holiday is a perk, and I don't know when this happened. Like these, these aren't perks. You need to look at the benefits of the serious benefits of working for your company and put them to the top of the advert. Get the yeah. benefits right at the top. So, so yeah. literally just put benefits of working for us and, and list them out in yeah. bullet form, not not in sentences. People yeah. like reading points. So do that. I would suggest everybody change your adverts immediately, get the benefits to the top, then ensure you have shift patterns on there as well. Because what's happening is people getting on the phone um, and getting to interview and then they're finding out they have to do, if in order to do 40 hours in dom care, they need to do 7 a.m. while 10 p.m because of the shift times uh, and the client needs, then it's not doable. So you've wasted everybody's time. Uh, and some companies as well, just not putting on um, pay. So it's a competitive pay, which, which I'm seeing more and more and more. Um, just, just be honest about the pay from the start. You know, that's, that's what yeah. you pay. That's what it is. But they're, 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 they're free tips in a nutshell. There's, there's a lot more I could talk about in regards to job adverts. I think the benefits at the top is a really interesting one because when you look on most job adverts, what job adverts usually start with is this is what we're expecting from you, not yeah. this is what we can offer you. Yeah. So that, that is really interesting, isn't it? To yeah, yeah and absolutely. Amazing. You turn your job description upside, your job advert upside 100%. down. 100%. And as well, next to the benefits of the top, as an alternative, I'd be saying, look, who are we targeting here? Make it more values-based. So are you semi-retired looking for a, a part-time role, um, working with amazing people? Are you a student looking for additional hours around um, college or university? Are you a kind, compassionate person who's, never, who's considered care but never really had anybody to persuade you to work in care? I, I have no doubt there's tens of thousands of people out there who would love working in care, yet they just don't know enough about the industry and they're just not persuaded enough to apply for a role. Mm -hmm. It's, it happens time and time again. There's, there's, we need to focus on getting people from different industries to come to the care industry. industry. I mean, this might be a different podcast itself, but you know, we, we have to attract new people into the industry as well. So I, I, would, I would focus your advert on values more than... What, what we expect of you um, 
and and what you can offer them as well. You know, we can offer you flexible hours around childcare. We can offer you a role that is not only rewarding, um, but it, but you're going to be working with amazing people every single day. You'll genuinely make a, pe- a difference in people's lives. Hmm. So, how do we get around the fact that? If you advertise on job boards, people will tend to see your advert if they filter on that type of job. So people people might need to filter on social care jobs in order mm-hmm. to um, in order to see your job advert. But that means that they've got to have considered working yeah. in social care. Have you any thoughts about how we how we work with that to get job adverts in front of people who might not have even considered working in social care? Yeah, it's very, very challenging on job boards because that is also obviously um, job title specific. Um, mm-hmm. I think we have to look at probably the bigger picture of, of you know, schools and, and, and look at it from a younger age and, yeah. and how, how do we encourage younger people to, to want to work in care and make it a, an appealing job, especially after COVID. Uh, so I, I don't think on, on job adverts and job titles on job boards it's very very difficult because what we, we can't what 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 unless you want to specifically work in care you have to search for care jobs don't you so it's yeah. quite really you mentioned social media a couple of times is it is it important to be on social media can you yeah, it out 100 percent. You ha- yeah you, you, well you have to be on social media for many many reasons so uh, the, the main reason is that so i did a um, uh, a bit of a research in 2021 and I spoke to 400 care assistants and at the end of the call I asked every single person just out of interest did you check our social media pages before this phone call and 76% out of 400 said yes so three quarters wow. and then the, the rest said um, it's funny you mentioned that I haven't but um, I was going to do that after this call so that's social media or website I should add so yeah. You 100% have to have social media. So from a business, from a from a care point of view, a care company point of view, I used to manage, uh, when I was a HR manager, I managed our Facebook and Instagram pages. And I never, ever put adverts on there. Or I never used to spam the pages with recruiting now, recruiting now. 100% of the posts were about uh, meet the teams, testimonials, um, events. So we, we, we're just having a, we're having a barbecue. This is what happened at our Christmas event um, and charity work. So imagine now you're following my social media pages and you see, look, here's here's Kara A. Um, she's been with us three months. Here's what she or he had to say about working in care. And then straight away, people are resonating with those people. They're going, oh, hold on. They didn't have experience and they've been with that company three years yeah, that sounds unbelievable. So you're creating a brand around your care yeah. company, a buzz. So, you you know, I used to share images of um, one of our registered managers did the London Marathon. I shared photos. It got about 200 likes. And people were straight away going, oh, that's great. She did the London Marathon for dementia care. Fantastic. They're obviously a caring, compassionate company. And then I used to do videos of our training. So just quick videos, um, like a reel on Instagram, you know, so quick, snappy, modern-day videos. And it just creates a bit of a buzz around your company and what what i would say with this as well is a lot of managers register managers care and say look we haven't got time for social media what i would suggest is asking in your team who enjoys social media and giving that responsibility to them so one you're giving them additional responsibility so they feel rewarded two they enjoy it three they're very good at it four you don't have to do it 
five, you're going to recruit and retain more staff. So give, give that responsibility to somebody within the team who actually enjoys uh, enjoys doing it. And I think registered managers, especially as well, especially for senior roles, need to, especially on LinkedIn, they need to have social media because they need to be posting about their company to attract other people to work there as well. Only on LinkedIn, though. I don't think I don't think you need to post care assistant roles on LinkedIn. But if you're hiring senior roles, you definitely need to be posting on there just to yeah. get a bit of a buzz around your company. And and which so you mentioned Facebook and Instagram. Is there any is which if you are like oh my god this is a new thing for me I'm going to yeah. start somewhere where where should they start What's the social media platform they should start with? One hundred percent Facebook. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's okay. um, people go on there. They're they're, they're scrolling. Um, they're checking out other pages. You can tag people on there. People can share the posts as well. Uh, and I would follow that up with Instagram as well, just because. Um, the, the, well, Facebook owns Instagram, so they're, they're linked. Um, and it's just a more, it's more for photographs, so you can share events and activities that are happening yeah. quicker. Uh, and, it, and it, you know, it takes 10 minutes to share these yeah. images. It's not a time-consuming element. And I really like what you're saying about that it shouldn't be just advert after advert, because I do sometimes see um, on Facebook organisations and it just literally, if you went onto their Facebook feed, it literally is just advert after advert after advert. And I guess, you know, for, for people looking on Facebook, that's not what any of us go on Facebook for. We go on Facebook to see nice things and, and, you know, things that interest us, not necessarily you know, we don't yeah. sit and flick through Facebook in the same way that you would, you know, a job board. Of course. Of course. Well, so, yeah, social media is exactly what it says, and it's a social platform. It's not a job platform. So I would I would never post, not maybe maybe once a month I'd, I have a slight reminder or maybe at the end of one of your posts. So you might have a meet the team and it says, look, meet, I don't know, Sandra. She's been with us 12 months. She, she, she used to be a... She used to work at a supermarket. She loves working in care because of A, B, and C. Um, if you'd like to be the next Sandra, apply. Yeah. And send us a send us a quick message. Not not recruiting now, recruiting now, recruiting now, and spamming the page. It's not. Yeah. It, that that does look desperate. Going back to what we said earlier about um, is that 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 is desperate, and it, it creates no personality around your company either. You know, you've, you people want to go on your social media and say, ah. They look like a really fun company to work for. I'm going to send them a message. It's exactly what I did for 18 months when I was a HR and recruitment manager in Domcare. I used to post about all the amazing staff, meet the teams, the reward, the, the Christmas parties. People see those photos and they, they immediately want to work for you as well. So it becomes mm-hmm. an amazing, it actually becomes an amazing recruitment and retention tool because if you show your staff that, you know, you're rewarding staff with, gratitude on social media that that's a great feeling to have you know if, you know you're, you're basically bragging about your staff they're not going to want to leave you why would they want to leave you you're, you're saying mm-hmm. they're amazing and they are amazing yeah and they're going to share that with other people aren't they you know yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you yeah. praised me i'm going to go oh look at look at me you know they're going to yeah, share it on yeah. their page aren't they yeah people get jealous in a good way you know a nice jealousy they'll be like oh, oh god that's i'd love to be like that person what do i have to do oh, i remember Stephen put on his message that I send them a DM if I want to get in touch. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And respond to those quick, those DMs, isn't it? Yes, please. Yeah. Set notifications yeah. on your phone. Yeah. It winds me up. Um, 
the Friday roll out. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it Monday. No, no. Yeah. Do it now. Um, I had a, I had, I had a manager the other day said to me, "Oh, I'm not sure about recruiting social media because people never complete the application form I send them." And I was like, "Not sure that you should be sending them a long application form via as a DM." No, you know, no, 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 it needs no, to be no. a phone call, doesn't it? A hundred percent, yeah. And it doesn't have to be. Again, if somebody applied on Facebook with me, uh, I'd call them up. Hi, we've been chatting. I see you liked our post. Um, you've just sent me a message about working for us. My name's Stephen. Is now a good time, or should we chat at a better time? What works best for you? Uh, and straight away they're going, to be, "Oh God, like that was quick, amazing." Yeah. I didn't expect to get a call that quick. And you, you care recruitment, um, along with social media, is very, very simple. It, it, you just have to keep the processes um, consistent. That's all it is. Yeah. So you you must talk to hundreds of people who are looking to change care roles. Yes. Uh, you know what? What are the what are the reasons why people leave jobs, and what can managers do to prevent them leaving? Yeah, so I guess that I guess it kind of comes in what we've just been discussing, yeah. isn't it? It's like you have to you have to be constantly not constantly. Sorry, that might sound a bit too much, but for people who are performing well, tell them they're performing well, you know, and let let them know every single every single day. A simple email, text, phone call, or in person. How did you, you know, if you're if you if you're a donkey company, you have an office or support, you know, you're at one location. How did your call get on with yesterday? How, how are you getting on there? Is the drive there okay? Are you finding it okay? How, was was is training going okay? Ask questions. People people have stopped asking questions, um, and expect that the the calls are going okay, and expect that the the staff are happy. If you expect these things, and then somebody hands their notice in. Well, that's your that's your fault, isn't it? That's your problem. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've you've just been taking them for granted. So, I think I think number one is making people feel valued. That's the number one uh, reason to keep the, the the best way to keep staff and retain staff is make them feel valued. Communicate with them, see how they're getting on. Is there anything we can do better? And I I used to ask people as well. Look, um, I remember when we did an interview. You said you wanted to work here for eighteen months. It's actually been 18 months now. Where are we at with that? Like, do, do, do you see yourself staying longer? Are you happy? And have an open door policy as well. I used to know my staff inside out, and there was 65 of them. I had an open door policy. I knew everything about them. I knew everything about the kids, the dogs, the family life. And when I saw them, I would ask questions and I'd remember details about them. So what happens there is straight away, oh, the office team are fantastic. Mm. Always ask about us. They're always checking how my kids are getting on. They always want to know about me. They're not asking if I can work overtime. They're not asking if I can definitely do that shift that I promised I'd do in two weeks. It's more about me. If you treat people well, they will. They're going to stay with you. Right? The people only. I don't think people leave roles. I think they leave people. I think they leave yeah. managers, leave owners. Yeah. You have to make people feel um, valued all the time. Yeah, I agree. And it goes back to that value-based recruitment, isn't it? It's a value-based, value-based yeah. retention, isn't it? Yeah. But the thing is, as well, what we're discussing here is it's all really, really positive, and it's not. It shouldn't be challenging because we all work in care. So when did we stop caring? And values mm. comes under the bucket of care. Do you know what I mean? So asking people how they are and if they're happy is not a challenge. Yeah. Uh, and we shouldn't just be asking to tick as a tick box either. We should genuinely listen to the answers. No, I'm not happy. Oh, okay. Do you want to sit down? Do you want a cup of tea? Can we discuss it? 
Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes managers are reluctant to ask that question about how are things because they, they don't want the answer because it might be something that they can't do something about. So they're worried yeah. that if people say, well, actually, you're not paying me enough or, yeah. you know, um, I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do, that, that the manager doesn't want to ask the question because they don't want the to hear the answer because they, yeah. they haven't got a solution. But I think what you're talking about is that sometimes people just feel valued by having the opportunity to, to see. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as well, you should, I don't think you should be, um, if they are worried about the, the answers that a candidate, uh, an employee might give, then they need to talk to somebody about that themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So if they are worried, like, People that look in the last 10, say you do an exit interview, the last 10 people have left because they're going around the corner and they're getting paid 50p more an hour. Is there anything, What? what no, how can we stop this from happening? Can we pay more or can we focus more on training? Do we need to do some um, values um, seminars or do we need to treat people better? Do we need to give people better gifts or Christmas parties or whatever it may be? Because people are leaving more and more for money now. That that's happening. We're seeing it happen. More and more carers are leaving for agencies as well, unfortunately. Um, because money right now is talking. So how can we get staff to stay? And I, it's, it's all down to values. Because they, if, 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 they, if they have a choice between £10.50 or £12.50, but your values are fantastic at the £10.50, they will stay. You know, but you have to make sure that you are treating them unbelievably well. Yeah. I think the other thing that that strikes me that you're talking about there is also about really thinking about what's working, what's not working, why are and, and looking at the data around why are people leaving, yeah. Um, yeah. and then using that information to then come up with a plan about what you're gonna what you're gonna do about it. So it's very yeah. evidence. What you're describing is almost like evidence based recruitment yeah. and retention, I guess. Yeah, the stats don't lie, do they? So, um, well, firstly, every company should be doing exit interviews for, for more than one reason. CQC uh, want to see that, and it helps you as a company to know why people are leaving. Um, and you shouldn't be avoiding exit interviews at all. You know, you, you 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 should want to know why people are leaving. And typically what will happen is, and I've seen this happen uh, many, many times, is the owner or the register manager will ask somebody who did the exit interview why they left, and it'll just be a simple oh, they just didn't fancy it anymore. And it's like, well, that's not that's not really good enough. Like, why did they not fancy it? You know, mm-hmm. we need genuine answers here. Make it, make it. you know, there's, fa- there's five reasons, you know, let's make it five reasons people leave. They didn't like us. It was pay, hours. Um, they moved house, whatever it may be. So if people are leaving because of hours, okay, what hours would suit you better? Well, I prefer to do evenings rather than mornings. Well, we have evening shifts. Why don't we change that and see how you get on for the first month? I have no doubt care companies could keep a huge amount of staff if they focused on um, why people are actually leaving. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, definitely. We, we yeah. could talk all day about this. I think. Yeah, we could. <laughs> <laughs> we, we want to just um, move to the, the couple of questions that we ask all of our podcast guests. And the first one is our time to care slot that we have in every episode. Um, what's your most time-saving tip? Oh, God. No pressure. Uh, no, yeah, number one. You know what? We actually discussed it, um, so I hope you don't feel like I'm repeating myself, but that just emphasises how important it is. So um, 
my most time-consuming tip is having quick 10-minute phone screens rather than um, half an hour or one hour phone screens. Do not do the interview on the phone. It's a phone screen. Um, And it's just, you know, say you work eight, nine hours a day and you're doing, you know, 10 10 phone calls at half an hour each or an hour, all of a sudden half of your day is gone. And then you're complaining to your registered manager, oh, we've not, I've not had enough time and you get stressed and you want to leave. So yeah, my, my most number one 10 minute phone screen and sorry to add to it, this is the second one, um, giving interview, set interview availability each week and not, and not um, shifting on that as well. I understand things can change and there's emergencies. I totally get that. Um, but have giving, giving interview availability to whoever's doing the phone screens because what's going to happen is they're going to go back on themselves and then you're just going around in circles. Yeah, yeah. So you're planning planning the week, aren't you? Yeah. And maybe, and maybe always have some sort of kind of out of hours yes. time available. Yeah. Set, you know, say, oh, you know, Tuesdays is my evening where I'm available to seven or something, you know, so you're recognising that some staff or some potential candidates might might not be able to do office hours, isn't it? 100%. As well. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. And our final question. Um, so I'd like you to imagine that we're on a lift on the 10th floor going down with a group of registered managers. And before everyone gets out, you want to tell them what you think is the most important key message to leave them with. What would that well, be? Well, firstly, where's this lift? This is an interesting lift, isn't it? Is this a... We just thought we just happened to be it's just a coincidence we're all in this lift. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's Absolutely. like ten register managers squeezed into a tiny yeah. lift. Just ask you, what do you do, register manager? What do you do, register? Ah, oh, we're all yeah, I like that. Um, by then you'd be at the bottom. Yeah, sorry, I've already I've used up my thirty seconds, I guess. Yeah. Um you know what? I, I would say to them, I would say take yourself back to when you were when you first started in care. Take yourself back to that exact moment and how did you feel? So I bet you had no experience and no one gave you a chance. So I would say, look, when you're doing recruitment, give people a chance, focus on the values, strip everything back. You might have been a registered manager or a care manager for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Take yourself back to that moment when you first started and how would you want to, want to, to be treated? So to, you know, just give, give people a chance and please focus more on values. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Because yeah. I think so many of the registered managers sitting listening to this today will have started as a care worker, like I did, like Pia did, like you did. Yeah. And it is that bit about think about how did you feel before you were applying for your first yeah. job. I love that. Imagine if I'd have gone to that interview six years ago, uh, being a, a care, um, uh, you know, supermarket manager. And she made me feel intimidated or, you know, asking me questions or patronising me or not giving me a chance. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have my own business now. Yeah. I would, you know, you have, we have to strip everything back and, and, and treat people unbelievably well. I know it sounds yeah. obvious, but just remember not to stop doing that. Yeah. It's social care is about being kind and compassionate and that should include um, how you treat people who are applying for jobs, isn't it? 100%. So... Never forget. 
Yeah, really, really great conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really good. And I'm hoping that everybody listening to this episode have learned something, has scribbled something down. They're going to go back and have a look at their recruitment process and see if there's anything they need to tweak or change. So thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye. Great conversation there, Wendy. Really, really lovely to talk to Stephen, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fabulous, wasn't it? Really good. So generous with his top tips, you know, and and just lots of really good ideas for managers to sort of kind of pick up and and run with. I think, you know, I just I love the love the conversation we had about you know a candidate's journey. Just really thinking about what is that person's experience from the moment they start working with us. So not even start working with us, start seeing that advert and then coming through, you know, having those initial conversations with you, having the initial conversation with the old interview with the manager and then on onwards after that. And then and then also the retention bit was interesting as well, wasn't it? Yeah, very much. And I loved what he said about the whole process needing to be quite slick and streamlined and and quite efficient. Because sometimes yeah, it can be a real challenge for managers, can't it, with everything that needs to be done in that process of recruiting somebody. Yeah. And, and thinking about it as a journey, I really like that. You know, just thinking about what is that journey for that person? You know, can I can I write out every single stage that's going to happen? Um, obviously, we talked lots about value-based recruitment. Obviously, we have the value-based recruitment toolkit, which we've mentioned a few times in the podcast. Um, I was thinking as well with that, journey so we only really talked up to the point of person the person being offered the job and then obviously I know we talked a little bit about retention but once somebody has been appointed um, one of the things that a lot of managers talk to me about is uh, DBS and having to wait for DBS so um, uh, later uh, late in 2023 we recorded some webinars with the DBS that just sort of kind of gives a bit of a what are the things you need to think about? What are the things, the reasons why there may be delays? What are the things that you can do to reduce some of those delays? It's just a bit of a sort of kind of fact finding from DBS about what are what are the issues um, to be aware of and what are, the, what are the things that you can do as a manager to make changes? Yeah, yeah, they'd be really useful for people, wouldn't yeah. they? And it, yeah, absolutely. You know that that bit about checking once you've you've employed somebody really made me think about the better hiring toolkit that we did in partnership with um, other organisations, some some key partners, because it talks about not so much the the DBS part, but it talks about references. And again, yeah. I think references is a, a an area that often managers struggle with. Um, but that toolkit's yeah. really good because it talks about how to gather references and conduct information. But it also talks about when somebody's leaving you, what you um, should um be sharing with when yeah. giving a reference to somebody else so a really useful resource i think yeah and that toolkit has loads of templates that people can do and i you know i've been a manager hiring manager for many many years and there was lots of tips in there that i thought oh god i didn't know that and i didn't realize that's the way around for instance what do you do when you um can only get one reference because the other company has gone out of um, business or something you know just gives you really good ideas about how to how to deal with some of the issues in that um, kind of next stage of the recruitment process 
So we hope you have enjoyed uh, the, our conversation today with Stephen. Uh, if you have enjoyed today's episode, please do tell another manager. Uh, are they, if you're going to a network meeting or in a WhatsApp group or on a Facebook group, you know, tell another manager about how you've enjoyed the, the, the care exchange. Um, and that's it for today. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.